At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm so glad you're here. Larry Kudlow in 15 minutes, Senator Bill Cassidy in 34 minutes, and you uh, in between. Uh, Busy weekend. Donald Trump made it a busy weekend with his Truth Social posts and then all the movements going on legally. And then the bank drama that's taking place. And that's why Larry Kudlow scrambled to help us out, as, as he always does. His perspective is fantastic, and his show is number one in business news, period let alone the perspective he has from the economy he left to the pandemic took over to the one that we have. So his, uh, his perspective is invaluable. And, of course, we know with the drama with President Xi arriving in Moscow today, the 40th meeting between Xi and Putin. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. I think what you're going to see in the coming days and weeks is more and more evidence of Chinese support. Uh, you know, the China, China doesn't want to get caught doing this, right? Because at the same time as they're helping the Russians murder Ukrainians, they're also saying, hey, China's open for business. Uh, that is H.R. McMaster. You'll hear more from him shortly. China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Biden administration in-depth and at times invisible foreign policy, inept, I should say. Invisible foreign policy have always allowed these unholy alliances to form and reaffirm why we can't afford to look away and need to get on board for Ukraine victory. Number two. Bank runs are a crisis of confidence. The government has put in place a backstop for the two banks that we know are in trouble. But there are thousands of small and regional banks in the United States. This usually just doesn't stop after two. Banks fail and rescue swamp this weekend's news as Americans wonder, are we in a slow rolling collapse like 2008? We go inside the numbers and see how your wallet will be impacted. Number one, I do not have any thought that he will be, quote unquote, arrested tomorrow. What will happen is someone like Donald Trump, a former president or not, a white collar crime, he will get to self-surrender. I expect it to happen soon, but not tomorrow. Ricky Kleiman of CBS. Trump to be arrested, that's what he claims, but there's no word from the DA or any denial as key Trump witnesses will appear in front of a grand jury today. I shouldn't say that's plural, it's just one. The NYPD prepares for possible riots should the 45th forty-fifth president be hauled in. The whole case with Stormy Daniels and payments is, in my view, a farce. What about you? So that's what we found out on Tuesday, on uh, Saturday, Trump posts that he believes he's going to be arrested. According to one of those illegal leaks, uh, he'll be arrested. 
He posted like crazy after. Just reported that the most important witness to go before the New York City grand jury, a highly respected lawyer who once represented convicted felon, jailbird, and serial fake storyteller, liar Michael Cohen, will be doing so tomorrow, meaning today. The information will be present, will be supposedly to be conclusive and irrefutable. It's a witch hunt. Who is that person? Bob Costello. For a blink of an eye, he represented Michael Cohen, and he just said, you know what, I'll come in and speak, and he was released from his attorney-client privilege, and therefore he's allowed to go and speak at about 2 o'clock today. So Trump re- Rejected the opportunity to go in front. Evidently, that's something in New York. So we'll see at 80 Center Street just after 2 p.m. if that'll happen in Manhattan. And when the president came out and says, guys, protest, that was a risky move. In my view, that's the, that's Donald Trump being Donald Trump. After January 6th, do you really want to tell people to go out and protest? But you should show people, if you're upset about it, how you feel about it. But if it gets into violence, uh, all hell's going to break loose. And I think he's going to have trouble finding any support. So when this happened, we quickly got Andy McCarthy Saturday night on One Nation. And this is what he said. He thinks it's a joke. And out of everything with Stormy Daniels, it happened 17 years ago. It became an issue in 2016. And now you bring it up again in 2023 as he's leading the race to get the nomination to run for president again. Cut four. He walked away from it, Brian, and my old office, the uh, the Southern District of New York, the federal prosecutors in Manhattan, uh, also wanted no part of this case, which hinges not only on the testimony of the, the porn star uh, Stormy Daniels, who, you know, look, I think it's it's credible for her uh, to claim that this happened way back when. But at the same time, you know, she's on record a couple of times saying it didn't happen. The other crucial witness here is Michael Cohen. And I think probably the feds walked away from him because of his deep credibility problems. Obviously, so yeah. you're not starting out in a great place on those, with those witnesses. Right. And you're not. And so but is this something this, by the way, I did not know this. I and thought about it. I probably could, could have concluded it, but no president's ever been indicted, period. And in a similar situation, Cash Patel was just on with me when it was found out that they used campaign funds to support and pay for the dossier, the famed dossier. The Clinton campaign was fined $100,000. OK, so if you found out that there were payments made to make sure he wasn't defamed in the backstretch of an election campaign, you find the campaign. OK, oh, go ahead. But there's no proof they even used campaign funds to do it. And what you might say, look, I, I don't know what happened with him and Stormy Daniels. Most likely something happened. All right. Don't know. But any time a celebrity, a rich person is targeted and they're, they threat, the threat is PR. The threat is this makes the news. I get hurt. My family gets hurt. I don't care what it is, whether you're on Epstein, Epstein Island or you had an affair or you didn't have an affair. Someone comes forward and they're going to accuse you and they got some pictures, but you know nothing ever happened. You don't want the problem. So they call it a nuisance. So you go, all right, what's it going to take? $200,000. Good. You're gone. NDA, NDA. Got it. Understood. So she's on an NDA. The payment's made just to keep it out of the news. They already had, remember, they already had the Access Hollywood tape. They didn't want any more out. Even Mike Pence, who's been so critical of the president, said this is ridiculous. Cut nine. Well, first, let me say I'm, I'm taken aback at the idea of indicting a former president of the United States um, at, a, at a time when there's a crime wave in New York City that the fact that the Manhattan DA thinks uh, that uh, indicting President Trump is his top 
priority, I think, is just tells you everything you need to know about the radical left in this country. It just feels like a politically charged prosecution here. Uh, and I, for my part, I just feel like it's just not what the American people want to see. So we have that going on in that drama with the election. And, of course, Jason Miller, a key ally of the former presidents, came out and said, I want all these other candidates to go to bat for me. And Kevin McCarthy went out there. And Mike Pence, you just heard, went out there to defend uh, to defend the president, said this is a witch hunt or whatever they wanted to say. But they're pushing Ron DeSantis to come out and support the president. He's not going to say a word. But isn't it interesting that they seem to be obsessed with Ron DeSantis? As good as the president's been, and I think he's been really good since uh, the former president's been, since having a white supremacist dinner or lunch with uh, Kanye West and that other lunatic. I think for the most part, President 45, the 45th president of the United States, his campaign seems very solid. I go To go to that wrestling event in beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma over the weekend, it's per- totally him. Number one, he loves these sports. He has great respect for the combat sports. Number two, Oklahoma, he got invited, he shows up. He shows up uh, hours before when he posts that he's going to be arrested. The crowd goes crazy. Just like it was so great that he went to Ohio after the train derailment, nobody else did. Reluctantly, the, the Biden people do. So... I don't want to take too much time away from Larry Kudlow. I'm not going to talk about the finance things with with him, uh, with you right now. I'm going to wait for him. But real quick, on what's happening, President Xi is is landing in Moscow. He's going to meet with Vladimir Putin to talk about their alliance. He'll sign some ridiculous paperwork that shows it tight. But I am watching the Middle East. I'm watching what's happening as Saudi Arabia and Iran are going to exchange ambassadors, and they're moving in on the peace deal that uh, President uh, President Xi's administration cut. I'm seeing that the UAE is now reaching out to Iran and they're established relations again. I'm seeing that North Korea, Iran, China, and Russia are forming an axis of evil. And all I'm saying is that do we have a State Department or not? Is any State Department working behind the scenes with UAE and Saudi Arabia to say, yeah, I know you got a president with Biden, but you got an 80-year relationship with us? Whatever you do, understand who you're dealing with with Iran. With UAE, are you understanding? Are you talking to them behind the scenes to make sure they understand? You reach out to Iran, it's going to jeopardize our relationship too. Are you out there trumpeting the fact that Russia has fallen flat on its face militarily and they're losing to Ukraine and how united the world is? I don't see anything. I see a president walking away from cameras. I see a press secretary totally unbriefed, giving briefings. I see a secretary of state that uh, is invisible, Jake Sullivan, who's pulling the strings behind the scenes, never reassuring. Come on, do your job. So when we come back, Larry Kudlow will tell us about the bank mergers that took place and the saves that happened and ones that still might happen. Larry Kudlow next. Thanks so much for listening. Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Then Jerome Powell just took a flamethrower 
to the regulations, weakened them, weakened them, weakened them, weakened dozens of the regulations. And then the CEOs of the banks did exactly what we expected. They loaded up on risk that boosted their short-term profits. I think he's failing in both jobs, both as the oversight yeah. manager of these big banks, which is his job, and also what he's doing with inflation. Yeah, that is uh, obviously Senator Elizabeth Warren, who hates uh, Jay Powell, and using that as an opportunity to do every Sunday show to talk about it. But what's the reality? Larry Kudlow, former White House economic advisor, host of the number one show in Fox Business Television, Kudlow, uh, which is every day at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Larry, welcome back. I'm just wondering how serious you're taking all this and, and the series of bailouts that took place this weekend. Well, you gotta be, you got to take everything seriously. I mean, Elizabeth Warren notwithstanding. I mean, I, I think a couple things, Brian. Um, you know, big, big supervisory mistakes were made, particularly by the San Francisco Fed. The original sin was the overspending and money printing by the Biden administration and the Fed, which created the inflation, which created the shock of interest rates, and they acted way too late. So they're, you know, but you know why they acted late, Larry? Right? You know why they acted late? Jay Powell was trying to get more, uh, get another, get a renewal, uh, and continue on as Fed chair. And he knew if he raised rates, it would affect the economy. Uh, and of course, he didn't. And then by the time he started raising rates to control inflation, it's had no effect. Well, <laughs> um, I don't know how many things you just said that I think are wrong there. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Jay did it for political reasons. I think it was a misjudgment. Uh, The Federal Reserve has made so many bad misjudgments. Their economic models down through the years have done so badly. Uh, I I think that was the principal uh, problem. I I, I think, look, um, the stuff Elizabeth Warren is saying, it's not regulations that uh, caused these banks. It was um, bad supervision. The bank examiners didn't do their job. I do think there were left-wing biases out of the San Francisco Fed that encouraged this rogue bank, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. But look, um, you know, right now the situation may be calmer. I mean, it looks calmer than it was a week ago. Uh, and that's very important. I will say this. There are a lot of banks in the U.S. system that will suffer uh, from higher interest rates and their bond portfolios will fall. Right? That's already happened. I just don't know uh, whether depositors you know, will leave those banks or what kind of rumors will happen. And I will say this, the Fed and the Treasury have set up a very good backstop lending facility, a very good one. We, uh, Trump administration, used the same idea during COVID, I might add, so that if some of these banks are on the hook, uh, they can get some immediate attention. I, I want the FDIC to stay out of this. I, I think, you know, guaranteeing uninsured deposits is a very bad idea, creates enormous uncertainty. You know, that's being proposed, right? Up to $3 million. Yeah, crazy, crazy idea, moral hazard. That would lead to even, you know, more risk-taking and more abuse in terms of sound banking uh, practices. So, you know, the stock market has opened okay. Uh, it looks like Credit Suisse 
is going to be bought by UBS. That was mostly a Swiss problem. But for three no, billion for more there. than three billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the Swiss National Bank there, it's their Fed. They arranged that. So I, I, I think that's okay. But, you know, the question is, what, what are we, there's still confusion. There's still a good deal of risk, okay? Those things are very important to investors right now. I don't think it looks like 2008, Brian. I said that all last week. I just don't believe it right now. But important mistakes were made. And we need to focus in on why those mistakes were made. And, you know, why didn't why didn't the examiners and the supervisors of the Fed and the FDIC and let's add the control of the currency, why didn't they realize that these banks loaded up on low coupon bonds and that, that their mark to market value, their assets are getting killed? Why didn't they realize that? Why didn't they step well, in? Did you see the Wall Street Journal story problem. today? Uh, the Wall Street Journal today uh, said that the Fed raised concerns about SVP's risk management back in 2019 and again in 2021, and they didn't pay attention. Excuse me? The CEO of SVB was on the San Francisco Fed. How could you yeah. not knock this guy in the head and and just say, are you, are you going to adjust your holdings? Yeah, and look, the, the president of the San Francisco Fed, Mary Daly, apparently signed off on this $5 billion climate loan, uh, which uh, was 2.5% of the bank's entire assets. 2.5% of assets in a climate loan that nobody knew about, uh, no knew had any value, had no uh, ongoing business value. I mean, that stuff is crazy. He should have been fired a long time ago. They all should have been fired. I mean, it was a rogue bank. Right. It had all these Hillary Clinton donors and Barack Obama donors. Nobody seemed to know much about banking. But, you know, that's a supervisory issue. Um, it's not a regulatory issue. We don't have to have a new spate of regulations. And let's see how things play out this week. I'm, I wouldn't mind, Brian, one last point. The Fed meets Tuesday and Wednesday. The Federal Open Market Committee meets in Washington. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they pause their interest rate hike, uh, and then came back later. Rates have not peaked. Uh, they're going to go up some more because they're still lingering 5 6% inflation. But just me speaking here, and I think I'm probably a minority, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. They don't have to show their manhood. Just for the moment, let things calm down. Then they can come back the next month. Uh, that's the way I'd like to see them do it. All right. Uh, New York Bank, Community Bank agrees to buy Signature Bank. UBS agrees to buy Credit Suisse. And we're going to see about First Republic and see what happens with them. But U.S. regulators uh, uh, will take a look at that after Credit Suisse uh, sale. And we'll see yeah, what happens all, at this time of investigation. All, not, all may not be well with First Republic. They own a lot of bad commercial real estate, Brian. By the way, so does uh, Silicon Valley Bank, but that's gone under. But I'm a little worried about these commercial real estate loans. That market has been hit very, very yeah. hard, uh, particularly right. on the West Coast and the East Coast. Larry Kudlow, you know what a hard break's like. You know radio and you know television. The music's going to get louder and cut us off. We're not going to let that happen. We're pros. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Thank you. See you today Thank at 4. Back in a moment with Senator Cassidy. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The president keeps saying he does not wish to have cuts in, in uh, social. 
Is he aware that under current law, when the program goes broke in nine years, that there will be a 24% benefit cut for those who are current recipients? Is he aware of that? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie, address. because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24 percent, we have not heard anything on our request. So yesterday, excuse me, that was on, was that Friday, Senator Cassidy? Thursday. That was on Thursday. Senator Bill Cassidy in the studio now, Louisiana, uh, dealing right now with uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, asking why you can't even have a meeting to brainstorm how to fix Social Security. And I heard your frustration in your voice. Can you bring us back to that moment? Yeah, absolutely. Under current law, if, if nothing is done to help Social Security, People who are currently receiving benefits, who rely upon it for their retirement, are going to get a 24% benefit cut. Now, the president knows that, but he's presented no plan. Secretary Yellen mentioned that they had not created – she effectively said they had not created models to see how they would bail it out. Um, And and he won't meet with senators. Now, if you don't have a plan and you won't won't meet with people who care about the issue – that means that you don't care about the issue. And it means that the president doesn't care that people under current law will get a 24 percent benefit cut in nine years. So that has to be addressed. But if you bring it up now as a politician, worry about an election, it means you are at risk of being labeled somebody who wants to cut off Social Security on seniors and losing that senior vote. That's the extreme. And that's what the president did the State of the Union address. It is what he did. And what he didn't say, though, is his choice to do nothing means that people will get a 24% cut. That's his choice, and he is going to try and deceive the American people that you can do nothing and nothing bad happens. No. If you do nothing, people get a 24% benefit cut. And so the president, as the president, should be taking leadership in addressing this, and right now he is not. So why is Janet Yellen now pushing him to do that? Did she ever satisfy you with her answer? No. And by the way, she picked up a sheet of paper, and she said, and she read, the president is ready to meet with, and that statement she had been given was a lie. That was not true. Now, she was just reading what they were told. She doesn't happen to know it's in the White House, I suspect. But the fact is whoever gave that to her should know that the president has had these requests made, and they have chosen not to meet with us. They are choosing to let the program go broke. So what are the options? Raise the age. You could raise the contribution. You could go into some type of creative savings account type situation where people get to invest a portion of it. That didn't go well for Bush 43, even though it was probably a great idea. Uh, what, is there anything that you would throw up if you met with the president today? Throw yeah, so, so, um, so the kind of heart and soul, it's already been reported, but the heart and soul of what we're attempting to do is to create a fund separate from Social Security, separate from Social Security. You would invest some money in a diversified portfolio. Who would? Uh, the federal government. Now, by the way, there would be all kinds of guardrails to make sure that some future Congress can't miss with us, all kinds of guardrails. But you would allow this fund to invest in the strength of the American economy, and it would, it would be a bridge for Social Security to go into solvency at a later point in time. In the meantime, you would go ahead and pay all the promised benefits. No one would get a cut, and you would just use, again, this fund to make good upon that. Um, now, so it's a parallel fund. It's a parallel fund, and the risk is borne by the fund, 
not by the individual beneficiary. But you know that there's no guarantee when you go into the market. So if you look at um, every if you look at every 20 year period of time from 1929 Great Depression all the way till now 1929 to 1949 1930 to 1950 the average return has been 8.5% over that time period. Under our model we only assume an 8.34%. So we actually take a smaller return than the historic average since 1929. And if you compare that to what the projected cost of borrowing is, the fund ends up with um, able to meet the lion's share of the obligations. If we do that, we prevent somebody from getting a 24% benefit cut. The president's plan, do nothing, take the cut. So, uh, Senator Cassie, we'll just talk about, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the banks. You know, people are saying this could be a slow rolling 2008 so over the weekend, New York Community Bank agreed to buy failed Signature Bank for $2.7 billion. UBS agrees to buy Credit Suisse for more than $3 billion. Word is they were kind of forced to do it. Don't know if it's going to pan out because of it. The Swiss government said it would provide more than $9 billion to backstop some losses that UBS may incur by buying Credit Suisse. Now, First Republic Bank looms large right now for U.S. regulations after Credit Suisse got their bailout. We know they were heavily into crypto, it seems. So we don't know what's going to happen to First Republic. You're looking for a briefing on this. Yeah. But from what you know, what could you tell our audience? Well, what we know, <laughs> I call Social Security the Silicon Valley Bank of retirement systems. Maybe I should call Silicon Valley Bank the Social Security of banking. They've got a lot of investments which have a very low return on investment, 1%, 2 and 3%, just like Social Security. But their obligations are going up with the cost of inflation and the cost of interest rates. And so if you're only getting a 1% to 3% return on your investment, but you got to pay out on a 5 and 7% uh, basis, you're going to run out of money. And that's what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. What I don't know and what has not been communicated is how pervasive is that in the banking system? How many banks have a low return on investment on their investment portfolio, but they're going to have to pay out more and more in order to keep their depositors? Uh, we don't know that. Uh, over the weekend, the president t- tweeted out on uh, Truth Social, posted on Truth Social, that he's going to be arrested and arraigned on Tuesday, uh, at which time all hell is breaking loose. The, depart- the DA says they're not ready for that, but they did concede, convene a grand jury uh, in order to decide if Stormy Daniels actually got a payout on with funds that might have violated a campaign. Um, Governor Chris Sununu, who is not a fan of the president, said this, cut eight. I think it's building a lot of sympathy uh, for the former president. I think the fact that I was with coffee this morning with some folks and, and there's every, not none of them were, were big Trump supporters, but they all said, uh, you know, they felt like he was being attacked. And as you pointed out, this is likely a, some sort of misdemeanor on an issue seven years ago. This has nothing to do with January 6th. There's folks out there that still think this has something to do with, with January 6th. So um, I just think that the, the not just the media, but really uh, a lot of the Democrats have misplayed this in terms of building sympathy for the former president. And it, it does drastically change the paradigm as we go into the 24 election. Obviously, Governor Sunu could very well be a candidate himself. Do you dispute anything he said? Don't dispute anything. No one should be above the law, but no one should be a target of the law. And 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 we don't know what the final charges are going to be. But if they are if the charges are being presented in the press, it sounds like the former president is a target of the law. That is wrong. 
Absolutely. So when you look at other things going on, Mar-a-Lago, to me, it's wrong. Why would I even bother taking your documents back? Plus, he's not somebody who loves that. He likes memorabilia. He likes posters and things like that. He doesn't like documents. He didn't want to read his daily brief, and he would tell you that. So having said that, when you look at Joe Biden and what they found there, they raided his uh, lawyer's office in Boston and took his stuff. Does that nullify, in your view, from what we know, Mar-a-Lago, the fact that the president's being, the current president's being uh, examined too and found to have classified documents? It may be that everybody's guilty. Again, Brian, what would happen if you and I did the same thing? That's what we have to ask. Oh, we go to jail. We go to jail, brother. And we're kicked out of the military. Uh, and so, so this, you know, what's good for one should be good for another. Uh, and it goes between parties and it goes between kind of class of folks. Um, you and I, um, we're not presidents. We're not vice presidents. But people should be held to the same standard no matter where they are in the rank. Today, President Xi uh, flew in for the 40th meeting with the President Vladimir Putin, of, who just got back from Mariupol, just went back from Crimea. Does this, uh, this burgeoning alliance, which gets stronger by the day, bother you? Where, what concerns you most? Oh, it does bother me. China is picking, and China's picking Russia and a smaller and smaller group of countries that support Russia. Uh, and Russia's going to become nothing but a, a pimple on the rear end of China. Uh, they're going to be progressively weakened. Uh, but China's got incredible resources. The degree that they continue to pump up and support Russia is the degree to which Russia is able to continue Putin's war of aggression. And not only that, H.R. Uh, McMaster uh, weighed in, and he sees evidence that they're doing more than just buying oil. Cut 25. I think what you're going to see in the coming days and weeks is more and more evidence of Chinese support. Uh, you know, the Chi- China doesn't want to get caught doing this, right, because at the same time as they're helping the Russians murder Ukrainians, they're also saying, hey, China's open for business, and they're trying to appeal, appeal to American and other investors to continue to prop up their statist mercantilist model, even as they commit genocide, even as Xi Jinping, just in the, in the, in the recent People's Congress last week, he gave really four speeches, essentially preparing the Chinese people for war. I mean, these were jingoistic speeches. He also made it clear that the security economy is, is going to dominate, you know, over the free market economy or the tech sector. So we, and he went on to say that he believes they're already getting lethal aid from China. I, I could believe that. Uh, now, the Chinese, I could believe that. But, uh, but I don't know that. Let me just make that clear. Um, we've got to engage with China. We don't want to go to war with China. Uh, they're kind of a frenemy. Uh, they are both an opponent and they're somebody with whom we need to work. Uh, the degree that they're working with Russia makes it more difficult for the United States to be the FR part of frenemy. The problem is they're moving into the Middle East. They've fostered that, uh, that relationship now with Iran and Saudi Arabia. How complex does that make everything from the Abraham Accords to relations uh, with Israel? And the, where's the State Department, Senator Cassidy? I mean, we have a State Department that should be working all these relationships and find out behind the scenes. Now Iran is, is uh, making overtures to UAE, and they're going to have a meeting. They were isolated from each other and call, throwing barbs at each other. We have bases there. So it seems like we're just giving up these alliances. They need to be worked. Yeah, the Biden administration has mishandled alliance after alliance. Um, and so um, um, all I can say, Brian— Vote Republican 2024. Uh, who do you like right now if someone had Senator Cassie, who, who are you leaning to supporting? 
Um, I, I can't tell you that right now. I will tell you that my my bracket, my my men's bracket, uh, has been a total disaster. <laughs> On the NCAA tournament, total. Uh, uh, the women's doing okay. LSU's doing pretty well. I would have picked them to go the whole way. My men's, I lost three people, three three top of uh, my top my my Arizona. I picked them to go the whole way. So I'm not yet picking who I think is going to go the whole way in the presidential. Uh, but I do say that the best way to stop. Biden is the vote Republican in 2024. So when Ron DeSantis, uh, you believe that uh, it's in our interest to support Ukraine, right? I do think it's in our interest. Uh, as do I. But there's a lot of Republicans who don't. Ron DeSantis came out and says it's pre- it's a territorial dispute. Do you agree with that? Well, it is a territorial dispute um, if you define territory as an entire country. Uh, now, it's now retreated to be in a border war. Yes, you can say that. But but Russia's designs were to go completely into Ukraine. They were they, they were arguably going to go into Moldavia and then they were arguably going to continue to put pressure upon the other Eastern European nations. So I think we have to recognize that, yes, we can minimize it. But what were their initial ambitions and what would be their ultimate ambition? It's a lot. I don't want American GIs dying. Uh, I don't want anybody dying, but particularly not America. That's not even on the table. It's not on the table. Um, what we are talking about, though, is supporting a country which is defending its freedom. And as they defend their freedom, it also defends the freedom of a lot of other countries with whom we have treaties. So President Trump seems to have been in support of Ukraine defending itself. Yeah. In what respect? uh, President Trump uh, bragged when he was president that he was giving lethal aid to Ukraine, whereas Obama only gave uh, uh, blankets. And we have begun to train their military and special operations, for example, and done other things to make them ready for a fight. Indeed, the fact that Ukrainians did so well, so surprisingly, I think in large measure was because of things that former President Trump put in place to support them. So I think it was recognized even under the Trump administration that having a strong Ukraine is to the advantage of the West. Senator Cassie, you like this job? You know, it's not necessarily a happy job, but it gives me a sense of purpose. I am serving my country. And I am working so that a beneficiary on Social Security does not get a 24 percent cut, for example, uh, that somebody doesn't get a surprise medical bill. And the fact that you can wake up with a sense of purpose that I'm going to make this country better for someone who lives here now, that's a wonderful feeling. But you certainly want to be in the majority. You could give the Eva more of a purpose than anything else, right? Absolutely. All right. Senator Bill Cassie, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. All right. When we come back, we'll take your calls. one 866 Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. You thought I couldn't get any crazier with the virus. They think they know now what caused the origin of the Wuhan, of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, you know, first we heard, of course, it was wet markets. Then, oh, no, it escaped from the lab. Now they're saying it's raccoon dogs, which <laughs> raises a couple of important questions. Like, what the f*** is a raccoon dog? And do I get to enjoy the bat soup again? So, yeah, I mean, that's so funny that Bill Moore has some of the same questions. I did not hear the raccoon dog thing. What was that from? Uh, did you? Did you? No, hear? I didn't. It was the first time I heard it when I was watching his show and he made that joke. And um, Eric actually looked it up. It looks like just like a bigger raccoon. Yeah, well, it's a would, taller raccoon. But did someone actually say this? I'm assuming it's based on facts. I mean, usually his jokes are. Yeah, but I, I, mean, say, I, I must have missed it. I mean, 
it, it just kills me when I see a story like that. And I don't hear anything about that. But, you know, I just noticed. Remember, Anthony Fauci kind of changed his story a little. It could have started in a wet market, got into the lab with somebody, and then came from the lab. So he's already changing his story uh, just a little bit. I just saw that Donald Trump uh, is now calling for Alvin Bragg to be indicted. So that's kind of interesting. I, I just the only thing that, you know, when he came out and said that he wants to get ahead of it, I'm fine with that. Be, be measured when you talk about protests. Always add it with peacefully. Number two is stop calling her making fun of her looks. People don't like that. I mean, I, I don't like it. And I also don't think that women like it. So no one asked him. No, it's not like this woman came out of the woodwork. He's the one that has a picture with her that something happened with. So for to call her horse face or whatever, it doesn't work for anyone. I mean, it's something you say, you know, maybe with your friends, if you have too many beards to describe somebody and that you never make it public, but he puts it in writing and sends it out. That's not the way to win over suburban women. I am taking the high road <laughs> isn't necessarily a road easy for him to take. But I mean, yeah, he, it, you know, it's actually, you know, Jonah Goldberg. It's like I'm getting hit from both sides. I'm saying it's a terrible and weak political case, which is, you know, annoying everyone else. Um, at the same time, like Trump causes his own problems and he's probably, you know, he's not the best candidate. Right. I, I just thought when you saw the four person who's a woman, the bizarre way she acted, knowing she was in charge of that jury in Atlanta. And then you see that not only did Joe Biden's two homes get raided, so did his office and so did his lawyer's office in Boston. I thought for the most part that nullified any Mar-a-Lago investigation. But this special prosecutor is going to town, ripping again, like Manafort with the Mueller report, threatening all of his cohorts to come clean on why he took these documents from Mar-a-Lago. So I and what happened on January 6th? All self-inflicted. And he's still leading amongst Republicans until at least we see that Ron DeSantis gets in and Senator Tim Scott gets in and maybe things balance out. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a busy hour coming your way. Michael Goodwin standing by. Talks about the revelations on the Hunter Biden investigation, how it relates to the entire Biden family, as well as we'll have an interview with uh, Andy McCarthy. If you want to break down what's happening in Southern District of New York, he used to work there. You want to know what's going on with the law. He just wrote about it in the National Review. You want to know what's going on with the Trump case. He's a one-stop shopping for that. And why, uh, by the way, uh, Joe Biden was asked about the revelations about banking records, Bank of America, that shows how knee-deep the Biden family was with Chinese companies. Says not true. That's not going to cut it. You're not going to have a bunch of people sticking up for you now because bank records are a lot different than a Hunter Biden laptop that everybody in social media and in print media decided to shelve. It's a new game now. Anna McCarthy on that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think what you're going to see in the coming days and weeks is more and more evidence of Chinese support. Uh, you know, China doesn't want to get caught doing this, right, because at the same time as they're helping the Russians murder Ukrainians, they're also saying, hey, China's open for business. Yeah, I think so. And that is H.R. McMaster, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Biden administration uh, in uh, inept and at times invisible foreign policy has allowed these unholy alliances to form and reaffirm 
Why can't why we can't afford to look the other way and we have to get on board with a complete Ukraine victory? Number two. Bank runs are a crisis of confidence. The government has put in place a backstop for the two banks that we know are in trouble. But there are thousands of small and regional banks in the United States. This usually just doesn't stop after two. Bank fails and rescues swamped this weekend's news as Americans wonder, are we in a slow rolling collapse like 2008? We go inside the numbers and see how your wallet will be impacted. Number one, I do not have any thought that he will be, quote unquote, arrested tomorrow. What will happen is someone like Donald Trump, a former president or not, a white collar crime, he will get to self-surrender. I C- expect it to happen soon, but not tomorrow. CBS, that's a CBS legal analyst. Trump to be arrested. That's what that's what he claims. But there's no word from the D.A. or any denial as key Trump witnesses will appear in front of a grand jury today in New York City. About 2 o'clock this afternoon, the NYPD is preparing for a possible riot should the 45th president be hauled in. That's what he's calling for. Also, a special thanks to BK, uh, a brand-new uh, Brian Kilmeade show affiliate over in Wisconsin, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, WHBL AM, uh, News Radio 1330. Thanks so much for carrying the show. You will not regret it. And you'll always love the Monday appearances of Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist. Um, well, Michael, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. First off, your response to the Truth Social post on Saturday that hasn't been confirmed yet about the president being arrested and indicted. Well, look, uh, based on what we know, Brian, this is uh, this is something of a sham. Uh, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney conducting this case, uh, he's the one who turns loose most of the criminals arrested in Manhattan for violent crimes, uh, pleads down their cases, you know, takes a felony, makes it a misdemeanor. From what I understand, uh, normally campaign finance violations, which is the heart of the Trump case here, those are not felonies. Those are misdemeanors. Uh, Bragg seems to have dressed this up as a felony, or at least is trying to. So, look, uh, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of things flying around. Uh, We're going to have to wait to see. But it does, at this stage, feel like something of a push, uh, a, a stretch uh, designed for political purposes. I mean, everybody wants a, every Democratic politician wants a piece of Donald Trump, and I tell you, it begins to feel like a version of pornography. You know, Letitia James with her drag show afternoon for children, which is an embarrassment. That's what the attorney general's doing, and then you have a district attorney going out trying to prosecute bodega owners who you know, shoot for their survival after they're being beat up by gang members. And then you have this Alvin Bragg is an absolute embarrassment. He walked away from this case, and now he's reigniting the case. Jonathan Turley weighed in on what he's seeing. Cut three. This is a political prosecution, in my view. And you don't have to really venture very far to reach that conclusion. If you look at how this case uh, came about, uh, it's rather obviously political. You know, the predecessor of Brad did not, Bragg did not pursue this case. Uh, The Department of Justice did not pursue the underlying federal election violation. The chairman of the FEC, election experts have all said that this is an exceptionally weak theory. And yet Bragg, who threw a flag on this case, um, decided to go forward after his prosecutors resigned. And one of them wrote what I thought was a very unprofessional book, uh, detailing the case against an individual who hasn't been charged, let alone convicted. 
Yeah, and he was bringing up the fact that uh, that guy wrote the book and said I would have indicted him. Well, he just said, before what? For taking out loans that he's, they said they falsified information they already paid back? It is a total joke. Your final thought on this, because next is the January 6th or Atlanta when they talk about election meddling, and then they talk about uh, Mar-a-Lago. Those are just some of the things that he's looking at in terms of trouble. Do you see any of them giving him, uh, hurting his election chances? Well, uh, Brian, I think only if he would be convicted of a felony, a federal felony, I think that would be the one that would open the challenges, open the door to challenging his right to uh, serve as president. He could run, but if he couldn't serve, that would sort of be pointless. So I think that's that's the danger. These were state charges that we're talking about here. And as Jonathan Turley said, I mean, they really go back uh, to the Mueller investigation, which found nothing. But it was the prosecutors from Mueller who kept pushing and pushing and were not satisfied. And some of them came to work for the Manhattan DA. He left it to Alvin Bragg. It was Cyrus Vance. He left it to Alvin Bragg. Bragg drops it. He gets attacked by those prosecutors and he revives it. Now, I'm, you know, this idea that's a campaign finance violation to have not reported the payment to Stormy Daniels. I don't know. I mean, I assume he's doing this under New York law. New York law is incredibly porous. Uh, It it virtually has almost unlimited uh, contribution amounts. Nobody ever gets prosecuted under New York law for campaign finance violations. So it really is a mess. And I think it undermines the idea of, of justice. It gives us, yeah. you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the state attorney general, Tisha James. She brought a civil court suit against Donald Trump and his company. So oh, really? th- this is a this is clearly designed. It's prosecution personal. It's just personal against Donald Trump. These are what the Democrats have resorted to because they because he became president in 2016. This has been their dream all along. So, okay, let's talk about what's going on the other side. Uh, Finally, it looks like James Comer finally got a hold of bank records where it shows the Biden family knee deep with the CEFC Chinese energy company, which was doing something so anti-American. This Belt and Road program created to upend our influence around the world with developing nations. And he still, his family, had no problem being involved with that financially to the tune of millions of dollars. That's in the bank records. Here's James Comer. This is what you wrote about on, on Sunday, Cut 34. This is one deal. We think there are as many as 11 more deals. Uh, now, we don't know what those deals are. Uh, what the Bidens, you know, in, in the beginning, the White House denied having any uh, knowledge or the fact that their family was involved in any sort of way, shape or form with the CCP. But now we have bank records that reveal otherwise. Uh, we don't know what the Bidens did in return for this money. Uh, the lawyer said that it was seed capital for a business. We haven't been able to find a business. Yeah, we don't even know what they're doing. They're just basically selling influence. And you have Bo Biden's widow making money off it which people want to see are okay. So have Joe write a check out of his savings account. Don't do it from a Chinese business deal. You know, Brian, I think uh, the key phrase in all of this, is, it's the statement from uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers that uh, Comer's referencing when he talks about seed funds. Now, in my column, I, I quote Tony Bobolinsky, the former partner, who has maintained all along that the 
the Biden family was demanding $20 million from the Chinese. This is in 2017 when this money arrives, early in 2017. The Biden family was de- uh, demanding $20 million. Hunter Biden said, for work my family did for the previous two years, meaning 2015 and 2016, wow. when Joe was vice president. And Bob Alinsky says this is not seed money for future work. This is a partial payment for past work. But the, the significance, of course, is Joe Biden was vice president in 2015 and 2016. And so if he is the big guy who was going to get 10 percent of this deal, that means Joe Biden was going to get paid for for work done by his family when he was vice president. That, to me, is the significance yeah. of this of this case here, this three million dollars. And as Comer says, there's lots more money. There's lots more deals that come out not only from the Chinese, but from other countries as well. And I think when he gets these bank records and he sees where the money comes from, where it goes, uh, why the banks flag these as suspicious activity, I think we're going to learn a heck of a lot more. And I think it, the pattern is going to be overwhelming that the family was making all of this money by selling influence to Joe as vice president. And then Joe was to get a cut of it when he left office. This, this I think, is the potential crime involving Joe Biden. How about Bob Alinsky and Rob Walker being subpoenaed? I know Bob Alinsky would come on his own to come forward and give details of this story backed up by banking records. And Rob Walker is either going to take the fifth or start answering questions, which will, if he's being honest, will implicate all these family members, James, Hunter, whatever his real name is, uh, and find out, we're going to find out, what did Haley Biden do? Uh, I don't know. know, Why was she getting paid? And again, this is just three million of what may be as much as eleven million just from the Chinese on this CEFC arrangement. So it is such a rat's nest of everything the Bidens have done. And this is, as I say in the column, uh, this is a great reminder that elections have consequences. The Democratic Party and the Justice Department kept these things secret for the last two years while Joe Biden was president. It's only because the Republicans took the House that we're beginning Mm -hmm. to learn the corruption involved in that family. So, Michael, think about this. You know what they did yesterday with Hunter Biden's uh, lawyers on Friday, I should say. They came out and said, we are going to sue Johnny Mac Isaac because he he released all personal information from Hunter Biden. But then they said, we're not saying it's his laptop, but we're going to sue you for releasing his personal information. That doesn't pass the laugh test. His, his, Joe Biden probably wants to strangle this attorney. Yeah, and, and for what we know, I mean, uh, I, the laptop repairman has the documents saying that after 90 days uh, and it's not picked up, it becomes the property of the shop. The Hunter Biden forfeited and, uh, any ownership rights by abandoning the laptop. So I, I don't know. This just seems like another suit designed to create a headline and perhaps some confusion like you get to a jury trial maybe and you can find one juror who's so confused they think well well let's let's hear the whole story uh i don't know it it just seems like a stab in the dark trying to find some ground to uh, argue from when it the headlines uh should naturally follow the money and i think the money is that the 
the Bidens got the money. The repairman didn't get any money. Wow. Uh, right. I mean, he didn't know want to do it. And the, the problem is he did the exact right thing. He actually called the FBI and said, check it out. Well, let's so. not forget, Brian, the FBI has had this, has had this laptop. What since late eighteen? He was or treated early abusively. He, the guy was—they yeah. were very abrasive to him, like he was the enemy. Yes. Yeah, so why did the FBI not do this? That still is part of the scam here. That the FBI, even now, we're told, oh, they're investigating Hunter Biden. Come on, why doesn't Are Hunter Biden complain that they've been investigating him for five years? He doesn't complain because they're not investigating him. They're covering for him. That's what they're doing. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Uh, all right. That is Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, putting it all out in front and center. You might not be – it might be buried in your book because you're worried about the banks. I understand it. You worry about what's going on in Ukraine. I get it. You understand you're into 2024, but you should understand, too, what has happened with the Biden investigation because it's not opinion. They're now getting bank records to show questionable dealings. You know who said it over the weekend? Aaron Burnett of CNN. It doesn't look good. That is – that's significant. It shows they're willing to cover something they weren't willing to cover two and a half years ago. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Here are all the researchers who say COVID can cause face blindness, a disorder that leaves you unable to recognize faces, have to admit that it also might have something to do with the fact that we were all wearing masks for three years. That's pretty funny. Uh, That was Bill Maher over the weekend on Friday night. He's also was talking. I was listening to him online saying that, you know, these conservatives seem seem to like me now. They take one clip of what I say and they seem to be eye to eye. No, it's just that you have, you believe what you believe, but you're open to rationality. The drag show, uh, drag shows for children is not a good idea. Asking children to pick a pronoun up until fifth grade, not a great idea. The anti-American stuff that's been trumpeted, not a great idea. That's all. That's all. Doesn't mean. You're not going to vote for Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden. Everybody knows you are. And that's fine with me. So uh, just about this whole indictments that could be coming down. Look, let's be honest. If it doesn't happen Tuesday, it's going to happen sooner or later, especially in New York, because uh, uh, Bragg is only playing to his power base. And that is these liberals in Manhattan, these extreme lefties in Manhattan that put him in a place to begin with. He doesn't care if you or I give him any criticism, especially people uh, that don't vote in New York, even though he's an embarrassment to the country and even the mayor, I get the sense, doesn't even like him. But listen to Chris Christie said about what a possible indictment is and how he has a problem with people who speculate that in the short term it's going to be beneficial to Trump. He doesn't think so. Cut 10. The circus continues. (laughs) I mean, look, he only profits and does well in chaos and turmoil. And so he wants to create the chaos and turmoil on his terms. Um, He doesn't want it on anybody else's terms. John, you know this. You know him well. He wants it on his terms. But look, at the end, being indicted never helps anybody. Uh, It's not a help. Now, I think that this of of the three investigations, I think this is the one where people know the most. 
And so because they know the most, they're going to take it less seriously. I don't think there's many Americans who don't believe that Donald Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels and that don't believe that he paid her money at the end of the campaign to keep it quiet. So I don't think that the American people probably see this as a huge crime. Yeah, and the other thing that they they don't want to deal with is, you know, they don't they want to deal with at that time as you in the backstretch when everything that goes smoothly, any problem with people you might have lent money to or someone might be upset at Trump Tower Hotels, the Sears of Condos was sold and they don't look good and they want to come forward and say what kind of bad land. You might say, listen, what's it going to take? Let me just fix your place. You want some money? I'm not even saying it's the truth or not. I don't need any problems. I'm looking to win an election. So whether it's 100% true or 10% true, you're going to have the same reaction. Sign an NDA. Here's a check. Michael Cohen wrote the check. He got reimbursed plus for additional services. And it wasn't a problem until unthinkably they end up raiding Michael Cohen's office. And then all hell is breaking loose since. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. With these set of facts, would they be prosecuted? 100% no. Which leads us to the only conclusion, this is a, a politically motivated prosecution. This is the thing that's happening in this country now where we're using the justice system as a weapon. It's weaponization of a prosecutor's office to get a political opponent. This prosecutor, Alan Bragg, is, is from George Soros' side on the way, way left. Donald Trump goes as far right as you can go. It's, it should not be this way. I mean, legal experts and scholars and, more importantly, members of the Federal Campaign Commission have all said, members, current and past chairmen have said, there's no crime here. There's no campaign law violation at all. And that is uh, Joe Tecapino who's defending the president of the United States on what would be a uh, a charge and indictment from a grand jury that isn't quite done hearing witnesses today at 2 o'clock. They're going to hear the attorney that briefly represented Michael Cohen speak in front of this grand jury. We believe at about 2 o'clock today, Andrew McCarthy all over this case, Fox News contributor, kind enough to join me on Saturday night, author of uh, Ball of Collusion. So, you you know, Joe Tecapino doing what he does best, defending his client. I get it. Uh, did he say anything wrong? No, I don't think so. In fact, I, I'd actually go further than I heard Joe go, and I'm sure he's had other things to say. But in order to make this a felony, um, what we're talking about is falsification of business records, which is generally a misdemeanor in New York. To make it a felony, they have to prove that Trump intended to conceal another crime. So it's not even enough to show that there may have been another crime involved in this he has to have known about it yeah. and intended to do it right so when when the statute says another crime this is a new york penal statute we have to presume that what the new york state legislature was talking about was a new york crime federal campaign finance violations are not new york crimes so i don't think they're eligible to be the other crime that we're talking about here and if he's talking about new york campaign finance I think Trump lost New York by about 30 points, right. number one. So it can't conceivably have had any impact So it's not a New state York. thing. It's federal and federal there have jurisdiction. And the other right. thing is how much time? I mean right. how much time is there since 27 – is this 17 years old? Well, so the, so the alleged fling is 2006, 2007, yeah. right? The, the cone laying out the money is October 2016. Okay. They paid him – They they – 
they pretended that it was legal fees when it was actually satisfaction of a debt because he had laid out the hundred and thirty grand, right? Mm-hmm. So they pay him thirty five thousand a month because this got got uh, combined with other things uh, that he had laid out money for. And they paid him for the 12 months of 2017. I think they didn't start paying until February. So it's 11 payments during 2017. And then presumably you close the books in 2017 and then you pay your taxes on the basis of what happens in 2017. So let's say that takes it into 2018. Right. Right. That the five year, the felony is a five year statute of limitations. The misdemeanor is only a two year statute of limitations. So that should, if it's only a misdemeanor, I think that should have run by 2020. Um, if it's a felony, you could argue that it, it that it run, that it continues for five years. And I think the other thing that Bragg is going to say is that under New York law, if someone is continually out of the state for any period of time, the statute of limitations yeah. tolls. I don't think that's what that statute is about. Brian is like. If we committed a crime and then we decided to become fugitives from justice and hide from the authorities, that would be the kind of thing you would toll the statute of limitations for. No one – there was no secret where Trump was. Does the pandemic extend anything? Yes. One year. I think um, the the courts of New York found that uh, uh, Cuomo, who was the governor at the time – uh, extended the statute of limitations, and they agreed with that. But, you know, if it's only a misdemeanor, it should have already right. run by then, you would think. Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal called out the whole thing, too. He says, if Mr. Bragg may indict a former president for the first time in American history based on the weakest of charges, he would subject the country to a trial that would be uh, in a media circus for the ages, and he would do so running the risk of a single juror could block a guy uh, guilty verdict and validate Mr. Trump's claim that this is a political prosecution. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And the other thing I think, you know, you're going to get a lot of stories along these lines. But like just before we started to talk here today, I see the Gothamist in New York is reporting that they're going to fine Mayor Adams for campaign for New York campaign finance violations. Well, how come he only gets a fine? You know, yeah. if if they're going to start prosecuting people, if this is what Bragg is doing, why is it? Why isn't he indicting Adams? You know, I, the, the the thing I think that is so problematic about this, if is if this guy's name was not Donald Trump, Absolutely. there's no way this gets prosecuted. And by the way, all this stuff was out there. Uh, well, not the Stormy Daniels payments, but all the stuff about his loans and his buildings was all out there when he was hosting The Apprentice. Yes. And still Bloomberg's asking him to revitalize that Bronx golf course. Can you help me out here? And he and he did. So I want to bring you to Bob Costello. He'll be testifying before a grand jury hearing evidence uh, against Trump today. But Bob Costello briefly represented Michael Cohen. There's some dispute to that and has a new perspective on what Cohen was bringing to the table and what the reality was. And then a truth social post from Trump said, this is going to be the number. This is going to be the guy that's going to exonerate me, essentially. Yeah. Do you well, know anything about Bob Costello? Well, he's a, you know, he's a longtime lawyer in New York. I think he represented Rudy, represented Cohn for a time. You know, he's a well-known defense lawyer. He's right. a smart guy. Uh, this will not be a good day in terms of the portrayal of Michael Cohen. But, you know, what else do you need to say about him? He, you know, he, he pled guilty to like a bunch of felonies in uh, in New York. Uh, in the Southern District of New York, my old office. And when they looked at this case, 
which they could have they had first. They could have brought right. the case against Trump. They decided not to bring the case because the main witness would have been Cohen. And no one knew Cohen better than they did. Who, they were dealing with him and convicted him of fraud counts. Right. All right so, so look at this case. We'll see what happens. It's not going to be tomorrow. I don't think you're not going to see Trump tomorrow, are you? I wouldn't think so. I, you know, if they're not going to hear from Bob Costello's testimony until this afternoon, I think this is a Monday, Wednesday grand jury like last week. Cohen testified on Monday and Wednesday. So it's possible they could vote. And they're it. only in the afternoon. Well, yeah. That's what I, I mean, heard. You can always bring the grand jury. I mean, yeah. if you, you got to well, worry have about lives getting too, a though, right? They yeah, have lives right. too. That, which is why they have to be on a regular yeah. schedule. I'd be surprised if they need a witness. I'd be surprised if it happens this week, but it could. But, you know, look, what everybody should know President Trump came out and said that uh, he's going to be arrested Tuesday. And I understand why he's saying that. I think he's he's going on the basis of reported information. Number one, I don't think he's going to be arrested in the classic sense of like they come in and put cuffs on you and bring you in. That's not going to happen. Trump is this is a nonviolent crime, even if whether it's a crime or not. Right. Um, Trump is in Secret Service custody. Secret Service works closely with the NYPD. They have a very good working relationship because a lot of Secret Service protectees are in New York a lot. And the only way this is going to get arranged is when Secret Service and the NYPD figure out what's the best way. And, for Trump and will, to you, will you get word of that from the people that you know that maybe this is taking place now? There's some coordination that would give an indication. Yeah, I don't think it can happen, Brian. There's too much. There's too much security concern that it could happen secretly. I, All I right. Just so you'll, you'll think you'll you think we're going to hear about it from the DA in 48 hours. Donald Trump will be at Center Street. Yeah, well, I I don't know if we'll hear about it from the DA. I think we'll hear about it from Trump because he wants it to be right. he wants it to be public. What I do think, though, first of all, it won't happen Tuesday because he said it was going to happen Tuesday. I think what they'll want is they'll want people to think that just because Trump says it's going to happen on X day doesn't mean it's going to happen on that day because that makes it less likely that people will show up and and right. protest, which they don't want. But this will be coordinated between the NYPD and Secret Service. They're pros, and it won't be. A problem. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to see. Yeah, we're going to see what's going to happen with President Trump and the other investigations. But do you believe that their seriousness is revealed when they have the CFO at 80 years old at Rikers Island for basically using some business funds to help pay for his kids private school yeah. grammar school? I think this goes to the point you've been making about the politics of, of this, though, because let's say Weisselberg gets his mind right after sitting in Rikers Island for five years. They still hope to flip him. And says, you know, I think Trump really did know exactly how we booked this. The prosecutors in the case would have to disclose the eight zillion times that Weisselberg said Trump didn't know anything about this, you know. So it's good politics for progressives in New York to flex their muscles against Trump because he's like the arch nemesis of the, of the Democrats. But it's atrocious law enforcement. I mean, to have a I don't know how old is it. You say 75, 80 years old, whatever he is. But Donald Trump him, is 76. No, I'm talking about Weisselberg. Oh, Weisselberg, yeah. To have him sitting in Rikers Island when, Rikers. when Bragg won't put actual criminals in, in it's crazy. Rikers Island. It's crazy what they know. did to Manafort in solitary confinement. It's just stuff that I can't believe we're tolerating. Yep. Leslie, your, column, your latest column is about telling Ron DeSantis don't buy into it. Basically, Nikki Haley will not comment so far. Governor DeSantis hasn't commented so far. But Jason Miller is going on the other candidates to come to Donald Trump's defense. Why don't you think DeSantis should come to his defense? Well, what he did here was wrong, even if it shouldn't be prosecuted. I mean, it, was, it does look like the records were falsified, and I don't think it should be prosecuted. I don't think it's, it's certainly not a felony. But, you know, look, 
He had he probably had a fling with a porn star, and then they did a hush money agreement that's kind of icky, and then they booked it in a way that was that concealed what it was. That's not something you want to be out defending. I think it's fine for the candidates to all say because this is important in in the election vis-a-vis the Biden Justice Department. They should attack Bragg for politicizing law enforcement, but I wouldn't defend Trump personally. And the other thing I would suggest to people is we're in this – this is what's in front of us now, so it's a frenzy at the moment. But once one prosecutor crosses the Rubicon, there's going to be more charges. So the Atlanta prosecutors come in, the special counsel – Do you think they're hesitating? Are they trying to do this no, in order? No, I think they're, you know, no prosecutor wants to be embarrassed in a case like right. this. You've got to have your ducks in a row before you indict it. But it's coming. I mean, we know the Atlanta thing's coming because we heard from the grand jury forewoman a couple of weeks ago that, you know. The, <laughs> that the, bizarre woman. Right. And it's coming. I mean, they filed a report that said they recommended these charges. We're seeing in the reporting that, that Jack Smith, the special counsel, has turned up the heat on you know, he wants Pence to testify, which is obviously about January 6th. He's brought all these other people in to testify about the Mar-a-Lago documents. Uh, I think once one prosecutor charges Trump, it will be easier for the other ones who are a little bit fraught and, and worried about the political dimension of it. Yeah. Once one goes, you're going to see more. If we were living in the 90s, that law and order sense of society, we're going to crack down, uh, three, sh- uh, three strikes, you're out. Right. I could see that people say, well, that fits the crime. But judging by where all hell break loose society right now, nobody wants to be a cop. Nobody uh, nobody goes to jail. Everyone gets third and fourth chances. You're going after Trump like he is Al Capone. Yeah, the, It's the, insane. Yeah, and you, you read from that Wall Street Journal editorial. I thought the smartest thing they said in that editorial was that the way to beat Trump is to beat him at the ballot box. This is not the way to go about it. Exactly. So, by the way, you wrote the column today about Governor DeSantis. Don't buy it. Just stay out of it. Yeah. It's not your problem. Ignore it. You know, right. go after Bragg. You know, say it, it, this is another example of, of progressive Democrats using the legal system as a political weapon. That's a fine argument, and, and it'll stand him in good stead for you yeah. know, the final campaign. But don't defend what Trump did because, you know, it's not – particularly defensible. Right. Uh, and the other thing is for Governor DeSantis, he's going to sit on the sideline and take shots until he's actually in. But he's also keeping his powder dry when he does not want to answer Trump because he's got to do the impossible. And that is beat Trump and not lose his fans and his voters. Right. If that's indeed possible, DeSantis can do it. I know that they feel very uncomfortable when he goes after DeSantis personally all the Trump people got very uncomfortable because they're the same people that yep. like DeSantis. Yep. So it's almost like a, a mom picking between her two sons. When we come back, some final thoughts. Andy, actually, do you have to do you have to go now? Or you can stick around for a couple minutes. Good. All right, great. Andy McCarthy's in studio. Uh, don't move. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. Uh, Andy McCarthy here. He's got his column out on National Review right now. Uh, Don't take Trump's bait uh, message to Governor DeSantis. So it's just very interesting to see Nikki Haley. um, Nikki Haley not weigh in on it yet. I'm sure she'll be asked soon. But Kevin McCarthy and Mike Pence both went to bat for President Trump. I think on some part, uh, Andy, I don't want to get you too into politics, but I think Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, and Mike Pence 
I think they're shocked that Trump is still leading the polls. I know it's early, but you would think that after January 6th, the indictments and everything like that, the lunch with the white supremacist, um, the Kanye West situation. Yeah, Brian, I I think if they asked us on January 7th, would Trump still be the factor that he is, we would have laughed. You know, I would have laughed. Um, But I do think for these guys, there's a ready-made argument to be to be made here, um, which is about how progressive Democrats use the justice system as a weapon. They don't need to defend Trump personally to make that argument. And when I when I go around the country to talk to people about law enforcement stuff and, and national security stuff, this country is on fire about the idea that there's two tiers of justice. Right. And, and it's, hard, it's hard to argue against it. Yep. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's with the revelations of Bank of America and those bank records show the business dealings of the Biden family. Right. And one just last name, Biden, and this uh, these Chinese companies. Here's what James Comer's discovered so far. Cut 35. We're going to have an opportunity to ask people about that, that were closely aligned with the Biden family. We've talked to them privately. I'm not going to reveal what they say privately, but uh, very soon they'll either be uh, talking to everyone in the form of a deposition or even better in a, in a committee hearing. But right now it looks like uh, the Biden family just pocketed this money. Uh, this is one deal. We have 11 more to go, and I'm pretty confident we'll be getting more bank records in very soon. So they, the president was asked, and he said, not true. The, you know, bank records showed the Biden administration, your, your, um, the widow of Bo Biden, got money. Not true. That's not going to fly anymore, is no, it? it's not going to fly. And here's a question I hope that, that uh, Chairman Comer will ask, especially if they have intelligence people who come in to testify. Would the president of the United States get a security clearance? If he had to apply for one like everyone else, because I've had a security clearance. Anyone who's worked in the federal government had a high security clearance has to fill out a form. It's known as the SF-86. It's a lengthy form. And they go through every transaction, every person you know overseas, every exchange of money overseas, not just you, but close family members. They want to know every bit of money that went back and forth. Doesn't mean it's criminal, but it's the kind of thing that people get blackmailed over, which is why there's such intense scrutiny of it. Based on just what we know, I just want somebody in the intelligence community to be asked, would Joe Biden, if he didn't win the presidency and therefore he gets the the keys to the kingdom, right? But if he just had to apply for a security clearance like any executive official, would he get one? When people say there's no illegal activity here, from what we know, it's okay for Hunter Biden to do a deal with CEFC in China, not not wise, but not, but, but he let, is there anything illegal that you've seen? We don't know. Uh, you know, we don't know enough details about this. Um, you know, I, I think the curious thing here is not the crime, but like the fact that the president of the United States and his family is getting millions of dollars from the communist Chinese anti-American government. Right. But whether it's money laundering or other stuff depends on how they booked it. Remember Ronald Reagan had a speech in Japan for a lot of money and people thought that was controversial? <laughs> a speech as opposed to a business dealings with the Belt and Road program. Unbelievable. Ada McCarthy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Governor Mike Huckabee, uh, as well as uh, we're also going to be talking to at the bottom of the hour, 
going to go out to Ukraine. David Vilak will be joining us. He's uh, head of investment over for Ukraine. And we see that oh, currently Vladimir Putin is meeting with President Xi of China, their 40th meeting. But this is most significant because this guy was just indicted by a world uh, of, of um, war crimes. We know that he bombs children, kidnaps them, forced adoption. Everything horrific about war is personified in Vladimir Putin. And on top of all that, he's losing. Also, special uh, thanks to WHBL AM uh, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. They're part of the, the uh, Brian Kilmeade Show family of affiliates. We appreciate you taking all three hours. News Radio 1330, welcome aboard. So before we get to Governor Huckabee, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think what you're going to see in the coming days and weeks is more and more evidence of Chinese support. Uh, you know, China doesn't want to get caught doing this, right? Because at the same time as they're helping the Russians murder Ukrainians, they're also saying, hey, China's open for business. It's crazy. H.R. McMaster weighing in. China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran. Biden administration uh, is just inept. And at times, invisible foreign policy has allowed these unholy alliances to form and reaffirm why we can't afford to look away and need to get on board with a win for Ukraine. Number two. Bank runs are a crisis of confidence. The government has put in place a backstop for the two banks that we know are in trouble. But there are thousands of small and regional banks in the United States. This usually just doesn't stop after two. Gary Cohn weighing in. Banks fail and rescue swamp the weekend uh, news as uh, Americans wonder, are we in a slow rolling collapse like 2008? Let's go inside the numbers and see how your wallet will be impacted. Number one, I do not have any thought that he will be, quote unquote, arrested tomorrow. What will happen is someone like Donald Trump, a former president or not, a white collar crime, he will get to self-surrender. I expect it to happen soon, but not tomorrow. Trump to be arrested. That's what he claims that no word yet from the D.A. or any denial from key Trump witnesses who happen to be coming today, this afternoon at two o'clock, a former attorney to Michael Cohen will be uh, testifying in a way that Donald Trump will be happy with. Meanwhile, the NYPD is preparing for a possible riot should the 45th president be hauled in. With me right now is Governor Mike Huckabee. Governor, can you put in perspective how extraordinary it will be if you see President Trump being fingerprinted and mugshotted? Well, Brian, I think it would just be a travesty for the country. And I would like to believe that there are sane, rational Democrats who are appalled by the very notion of this. Surely they do know that if this becomes the new norm, that it will be their own uh, elected officials and former elected officials who would be subjected to the same kind of treatment. It's not good for the country internally. But, Brian, this is a terrible reflection upon America to the rest of the world. I know. And really puts us in a position where we'll start looking like a lot of the third world dictatorships. Uh, where this is routine. It's just something that makes no sense. And the fact that some local New York biased George Soros funded prosecutor could even do this is in itself outrageous. So the president's looking for people to rally to his support. We understand Governor DeSantis was just asked about it. So I can't get specifics, but there's no doubt about it. George Soros uh, sponsored a uh, a district attorney always does stuff like this. That's what they would want. So we'll have to see how it goes. But so far, uh, Governor, I know you you and the, the both families are tight. The Trumps and the Huckabees are tight. And we've already seen that on display. Knowing that you do have welcome biases, 
are you so, uh, but you also know politics so well. With all the headwinds, are you surprised he's leading it by 10 in almost every poll? No, I'm really not. Uh, and, and a large measure, because the further that this continues to uh, sort of play out, not just this one prosecution, but the uh, continued persecution and vilification of him, I think a lot of people are looking at the results of Joe Biden's presidency and now finally remembering the results of the Trump presidency, notwithstanding a lot of people do not like his personality. He can uh, issue cringeworthy tweets and make comments that just make you roll your eyes. We all understand that. But on a day-to-day basis of leading the country, Donald Trump was a president who got things done that mattered to the working families who would sit at their kitchen table and actually be able to afford more things because the economy was strong and their jobs were increased and their pay was increased because of uh, not only the tax policy, but the regulatory policy and his pushback against China and bringing back manufacturing. Those are policies that touch people's lives every day. They really start to see it the longer that we're in the Biden administration. So it does not surprise me at all uh, that there is a sense of which Donald Trump still enjoys strong support among many of the American people. And let me add, especially in flyover country where I live and especially away from the coastal elites who just thumb their nose at Donald Trump and all of his supporters. And it's, they really have created almost uh, two very separate Americas, which is to right. the detriment of our nation. And what I understand, if you've been to the State Department, you know how sprawling it is, how many different layers there are. Where, what are they doing? I mean, we're watching now Saudi Arabia and Iran get together. Now a senior Iranian official will visit the UAE in the, over the next few days after Tehran agrees to restore diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia. Wait a second. This is the reverse of the Abraham Accords. We have relations with them. There should be pressure yeah. saying, you don't do this with this outlaw regime. We're trying to isolate them. They strike a deal with Beijing to, uh, uh, to, cut, to come together, Saudi Arabia and Iran, and there's no stakes. We see that all these other countries like India is propping up Russia. They're allies of ours. Don't they need pressure? Can somebody else do their job around here, Governor? Nobody trusts the United States right now. I mean, let's just be real honest. We were on a roll with the Abraham Accords, which I'm so glad you mentioned because a lot of Americans didn't hear much about them because the media just sort of ignored it. Uh, They didn't want to give Donald Trump and his team credit for the historic nature of them. But this was creating a completely different alignment, not just in the Middle East, but in the world. Now, Saudi Arabia and other countries are saying, you know, we're not sure we can depend upon the United States. Saudi Arabia, for the first time ever in its history, for the first time in U.S. history, refused to take a phone call from a U.S. president. That is just stunning. But they wouldn't take a call from Joe Biden because they don't trust him and because of the things that he has said in vilifying them. So now they're looking for maybe they're going to be different partners, and they're looking at a natural enemy. I mean, the great conflict between Sunni and Shia uh, Muslim countries, just as a matter of self-preservation versus trying to partner with the United States and seeing us as a real ally. This is dangerous, and most Americans don't wake up in the morning thinking about it, but there are people at the State Department that, by gosh, ought to be looking at it. I'm not sure there's enough intelligence left there to do it. 
Well, they just got to, I mean, what are they doing? I mean, they're supposed to, the thing that we didn't like is when they went and did their own thing, but I see them doing nothing, and they got their guy in charge right now. With these banks, I still got the greatest minds trying to figure out what went wrong and in what bank, and is this going to be a contagion? I want you to hear what Congressman Patrick McHenry said on Face the Nation yesterday. Cut 13. I think all options should be on the table. Is there, there anything that would things. block that kind of white knight rescue? What I need to get to the bottom of investigatively in Congress mm-hmm. is the who, what, when, where, why, and how of these bank failures and the decisions Signature made over, and Silicon Valley. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then over the, and the decision made over the weekend. Mm-hmm. We saw a private sector response to help support a bank. Right. Was that a viable option last weekend or was there an ideological lens that prevented them uh, from taking these institutions and making it uh, less turbulent for America. Yeah, and they're talking about uh, Silicon Valley Bank and also New York Community Bank, I should tell everybody, agrees to buy the failed signature bank, $2.7 billion. UBS, this is something that Switzerland worked out to buy Credit Suisse for more than $3 billion. It sounds kind of familiar. It's something we, we were for, these forced mergers from people that just feel as though they want to save the system to stop a panic. And then when you look and find out Governor Huckabee, there nobody with banking experience is on these boards. It's crazy. Yeah, these are uh, boards and banks that seem to be more concerned about how are they going to combat climate change and focusing on diversity and equity and inclusion rather than banking. You know, if I put money in a bank, I honestly don't care as much about whether they run their air conditioning at 75 degrees or at 72. I'm not that really focused on whether or not uh, they've done a head count of how many Asians, blacks, and whites they have working there. I just wanted to take care of my money, and if I need it, it's there. And they don't do stupid things that put my financial situation at risk. But we've got banks like uh, the Silicon Valley Bank, that was not being run like a bank. It was being run like a charity, throwing $74 million at organizations like Black Lives Matter. And to what purpose? How did that help their depositors? How did that help their shareholders? Well, we now know it didn't. Well, how about this? A guy in the San Francisco Fed, where in, as, early as early as 2019, uh, the San Francisco Fed said, I got a huge problem with your balance sheets, where you're invested and in, with interest rates going up. And then in 2021, they say it again. It turns out the guy who's CEO of Silicon Valley Bank is also in the San Francisco Fed, and he still did nothing. I just can't believe this type of arrogance and incompetence. But I want to, if I can, jog over to Hunter Biden. We know that bank records reveal that he, uh, James Biden and the widow of Bo Biden, and at least another person with just last name Biden, were profiting off this Chinese energy firm linked directly to the party, linked directly to the Belt and Road program designed to circumvent our influence in developing countries. We also understand 11 more deals collecting Biden to China is coming. I want you to hear. Now, if I say it and you say it, it probably doesn't make news. But guess where it actually leaked to? CNN picked up on this. And with the seeing the bank records, Aaron Burnett said this. And it doesn't sound good. Uh, there's a guy whose name is uh, John Robinson Walker. He gets three million dollars from a Chinese based company and proceeds to wire it out to a bunch of people named Biden one of whom is Hunter Biden, another one is a company that belongs to the president's brother, James Biden, and another amount of money to Bo Biden's uh, widow, Hallie. So, again, from a layperson, that doesn't look good. So for her to say that, these are this, this, is this, this is stuff that she should have been reporting on back when the laptop was out? What do you think about the significance of bleeding onto CNN? 
it's amazing that some of the mainstream media are finally pretending to be journalists for the first time in years. It's refreshing. Let's hope it continues, because I don't know how you can even call yourself a journalist and not have a curiosity about if the sitting president of the United States is compromised by business deals that include the communist Chinese. I mean, this, this is it makes Watergate look like uh, stealing a, a, a penny candy from the uh, counter at Walmart, for God's sake. I mean, it really does. And for Joe Biden to repeatedly say, as he did in the presidential debates in 2020, he didn't know anything about Hunter's business deals, knows nothing about it. I mean, he was giving the full-fledged Sergeant Schultz kind of answer, and it turns out he knew a heck of a lot about it, and it appears very clearly that he was profiting from it. Look, this stuff is is so lucrative for the Biden family. I th- I'm thinking about changing my last name from Huckabee to Huckabee Biden and asking to get in on it because uh, it, it's a pretty sweet gravy train. Well, and I think Huckabee's making a lot of money now. I see every five minutes with another great product. <laughs> So that's great. And you have your great talk show. So it's good to be Governor Huckabee, too, who also plays music. So I used to. I was all junior high, but I peaked in eighth grade or else I would look to join your band. I'm not sure if you need a clarinet player. Do you need one or do you have one? Actually, not only do we not need one. But even if we did, I doubt you would make the cut, Brian. No offense. <laughs> I just rather, I'd rather have an accordion player than I had having Brian Kilmeade playing the clarinet in a rock and roll band. Allison, why why did you book him? That hurts my feelings. I mean, what is going on? I mean that. I mean, I I did. I know I don't have any musical talent, but I don't need the whole country to know. Now it's it's out. The governor, always great to hear from you. Thanks so much. Hey, great to talk to you, Brian. Take All right, care, my uh, yes, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. So listen, when we come back, I'll take your calls. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then I'm going to go out to uh, Ukraine to get the latest. Uh, on that war. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Manhattan District Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors... They weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about po- porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. He did speak about it. So there you go. Ron DeSantis, as as, uh, blunt as you could be, fundamentally wrong. Don't trust the prosecutors. Same thing in Los Angeles. Same thing in San Francisco. Now they got rid of Chesa Bodine. Same thing in Chicago. Same thing in Philadelphia. 
You get these prosecutors, especially New York, and they just give up on criminals. Uh, they give up on prosecuting criminals. They get them out as quick as possible. They try to do bail reform. It's unable to get traction. And then you go and target other people like President Trump. And then you say, well, there's no problem here. If you broke the law, you broke the law. Yeah. But when you look at the triage of things worth fighting, that doesn't even add up unless you want to make your career. People all know now Alvin Bragg and who he is. Is that the goal? Is that how you want to be famous? Alex, listening in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Alex. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. By the way, if there's going to be a mugshot of Donald Trump, I can guarantee he'll be with his mouth open because he's not going to stop talking. That's for sure. But I wanted to say I find it despicable what Alvin Bragg is doing. You know, this is this crime rampant in the city where I live, and all he's focusing on. You know, he's a local politician. He's supposed to focus on what are the threats for the people in New York. Donald Trump doesn't even live in this state. He wouldn't want to hang around New York. He lives in Florida. But he's not focusing on the other criminals that are the real problems. So there's no way that you can ignore that this is absolutely political. If he was going after the other criminals and people that do way worse things, they'll say, okay, well, we're just doing the right thing. We're going after everybody. But no, they're they're purposely going after him, and they're doing it because they couldn't find anything on him for years and years now with Russian collusion, and they got to turn him into some sort of criminals so that they can tell the Democratic voters in 2024, yeah, we got something on him. Because otherwise, what are they coming to the table with? You run after this guy for years. You look into every corner of his life. You don't come across with anything. He's probably the, the best, you know, the most honest person, the least of a criminal. He still is a very honest person, a very good person. That This is all you can come right. to find on him after all this time. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in Atlanta, see what happens in January 6th, see what happens in the Mar-a-Lago situation, and then we'll see what, what happens with the, uh, with the nomination. The one thing you want to do, stop making fun of women's looks. If you want to win over suburban women, I don't care about Stormy Daniels and what she looks like. Don't bring it up. It's not a factor. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. When you look at the Ukraine war, what is Xi's motivation here? It's not the peace that he's advocating in his 12-point program. He wants Russia to win. If Russia loses, China loses. That's what we have to come to grips with here. And those who are advocating we should pull out of Ukraine and focus on China are missing this very evidential point. These are partners and common goals to replace the United States leadership in the world. And we have to push back successfully against both of them. That's what I thought was pretty obvious. And as Senator Cassidy brought up to us earlier today, he said, you know, it seems to me that Donald Trump is responsible for a lot of the responsibility for him for how well the Ukrainians are fighting. They got training and they got arms. Barack Obama gave him meals and blankets. So it seems as if President Trump has changed a little bit, but he did want Ukraine to be able to defend himself. And, man, are they doing it? Daniel Bilak joins us now, member of the Territorial Defense Forces of Ukraine. He's also an attorney based in Kiev with the, uh, with the inter- an international law firm, also former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine. Daniel, how concerned are you or how curious are you about what's really taking place between China and Russia today? Well, it's, it's very interesting, uh, the, uh, Brian. Uh, you know, the, the context has now changed because of what happened last Friday when the International Criminal Court uh, brought down a, an indictment, essentially, against Vladimir Putin for forcibly deporting children, essentially child trafficking, 
uh, from Ukraine to Russia, putting kids up for adoption with Russian families, many of whom still have have parents in Ukraine. And and all of a sudden, she's visit has uh, has you know he's he's meeting with a, an indicted uh, criminal, and uh, I, I can't imagine that's going to make him happy. But it, but it, but it also means he's you know they, he went ahead and they're doubling down and. And as uh, as the general pointed out, uh, uh, Brian, um, you know these are partners in crime, and um, you know this war that is being fought by Russia, and uh, Russia is China's proxy, and you know this is a direct challenge to the United States. The United States has to win this war in Ukraine using Ukrainian soldiers who are using American weapons and weapons of our allies. How well Bakhmut is still not in. Russia's hands, right? No, no, it's not. And uh, and that whole line, I think, they took a, a you know essentially three feet of land in the last uh, last four days. Um, you know, they're 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 running out of steam, it seems, from all the reports that we're getting, Brian. And uh, you know, it just means that as the kit is coming in, and it seems to be coming in, uh, we're gonna we're preparing our counteroffensive and. Uh, you know, uh, we're, 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 we're just going to take it to them. So the one thing that I worry about, I'm sure you worry about, is China starting to give some of their lethal weapons to Russia. H.R. McMaster thinks it's already happening. Uh, China said if it gets there, these are just rogue operations within their country. I trust your sources being in Ukraine better than mine. What do you think? Well, our, ours, ours are essentially aligned with, with yours, uh, and I think there is strong suspicion that that's happening. That's a big risk for China, uh, Brian, because China stands to lose a lot more than Russia uh, from sanctions, which is what I think they've been threatened with. I think Secretary Blinken was, was pretty, pretty uh, forthright about, uh, about that a few, a few days ago. And if they if they start supplying lethal weapons, they could find themselves uh, uh, their companies and and the their supply chains under under enormous pressure. And China's got a lot more to lose from being uh, uh, corralled in the international economy than uh, than Russia does. So there's a report now. The Polish ambassador to France said that Poland would enter the war if Ukraine fails to defend itself. They walked it back since. We know they gave you guys MIGs. So what do you uh, what do you hear? Does that catch you by surprise? Well, I think the context in which you said that was that if Ukraine fails, if Ukraine is defeated, uh, then Poland would be forced and uh, to and, and the Baltic states because they're next. They, this is not a new theme, Brian. We've talked about this with you many times. That if if he wins in Ukraine, he's just going to keep going. And I think that was just a, a recognition of that fact. And I'm glad he said it. You know, it was a wake-up call. The fact that got some, uh, some people stood up and said, whoa, what did you mean by that? Means that uh, they take a, a harder look. You know, the, the interesting part is that the, the countries closest to the conflict, the Eastern European countries, are less afraid of doubling down and giving Ukraine weapons and getting this done than countries that are further away from the conflict, from the war in, in Western Europe, which is, which is really kind of ironic in a, in a, in a way. Um, but, the, but the Poles have been just absolute stalwart allies, along with the Brits and the United States. And, uh, um, you know, the Slovaks gave us some MiGs and the Poles are giving us MiGs. I mean, assuming these are, these are all serviceable, that's, that's 33 airplanes. It's, you know, they're not F-16s, but they, they, our guys know how to fly them. And they sure as heck will, uh, will will help us out. So what did you think when Vladimir Putin went to Crimea and he also was at Mariupol, 
Uh, the forces destroyed 90% of the whole area, flattened a children's hospital, a theater, uh, the civilian center. He went to the small area that was, I guess, somewhat uh, intact, but that was the area of so much brutality, and he's trying to send a, a message with that tour. What, do you, what was that message? Yeah, that, that was a, basically a message to the, you know, he was, he was sort of flipping the bird to the international community after the International Criminal Court came came down with its indictment on on Friday. I mean, this this cannot be underestimated in the impact of this, uh, uh, Brian. Why do you think so? Because it doesn't seem to have any teeth, the criminal court. Well, there are a number of aspects to this. Uh, First of all, he is now essentially a pariah. He can't can't go to a lot of countries, 126 signatories around the world, including in a lot of African countries that he likes to... uh, uh, to play with, and they are obliged to arrest him if he steps foot on their on their soil. He's now in in the league with uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, Slobodan Milosevic, Charles Taylor, and a bunch of other butchers uh, uh, that have been indicted around the world. So you know it's un, it's unlikely, or it seems unlikely that he'll ever go to the criminal court. But this opens a whole new door, uh, and. You know, the United Nations General Assembly on, uh, on, on February 23rd of this year passed a resolution on the, on the you know, anniversary of, you, of the, the start of the war that basically says that there must be accountability for a, the crimes of and, and international investigations and prosecutions to ensure justice. And 141 countries uh, voted for that. Only seven voted against and you know if there if they, that opens the door to create uh, another special United Nations uh, Ukraine related tribunal uh, to try people, and maybe the the International Criminal Court could be incorporated by reference. They can be part of it, and so those indictments may actually get transferred. There's lots of things in play now, but you know not only is, is he an international pariah, but it sends a message to all the people around him, like guys, you may be next. And a lot of you've got, you know, or had villas, and 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 you like to hang out in in the West in, in NATO countries, and you like to hang out. Your kids go to school there. You know, if all of a sudden you get these indictments brought against you, these things stick, and it's children, Brian. There's 16,000 children that have been forcibly deported. He's basically trafficking in kids, taking them from parents and and taking orphans and putting them up for adoption. And then if they're up for adoption, they disappear because their parents can change their names, they can change their 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 birth dates. I mean, this is just about the most heinous of I crimes know. that you can get. And they documented it themselves. They admitted they were doing this. This is a state policy to relocate them. So I mean, basically he was he was providing the court with that with evidence for them to, to lay these charges. I mean uh, uh, you know this opens a, a whole new aspect to this to this war and I really hope that uh, it's going to be treated with the seriousness it deserves. So I want you to hear what Senator Mike Brown said of the Republican out of South Dakota on Meet the Press yesterday, Cut 27, about this meeting uh, with uh, uh, President Xi and President Putin, Cut 27. Putin now tests the waters by walking in or attempting to take over uh, a sovereign state right next to them that we had back in 1995 agreed that they would have sovereignty over that specific part of the land. 
Xi Jinping looks at that and says, I'm going to watch this very carefully because Xi Jinping would like Taiwan. And he's already committed that one way or another he's going to get it back. He wants to see how we respond and whether right. or not we can keep our allies together, whether or not state, yeah. uh, NATO stays together, or whether or not it strengthens NATO. So this is a bigger picture than just territory. So everyone's watching. We're seeing what he's got. Uh, was he going to be once? He also is going to call President Zelensky later this week. What do you think? What, do, what, did, what are the heads up they gave you about what he's going to be bringing to the table? Well, you know, they put forward this 12-point plan, which is, you know, not really a plan except for the, the statement that, you know, must respect the territorial sovereignty of all countries. And Russia says we agree with that, but, you know, this part of Ukraine just happens to be ours, uh, kind of thing. But, you know, she wants, wants a ceasefire. He wants this to go away. He'd be very happy to leave with what he's got. So, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I go very far. It'd be great for him. To talk to but you can't agree, but Dan. I'm kind of losing you a little bit. I understand you're in you're in tough situation, but Dan, the thing is, you can't have a ceasefire now. He's got 20 percent of your country. Of course, he would like it. He would like to just claim it and say, "Look, I won." That's what people don't realize. You could want peace, but not like this. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I mean, President Zelensky can never agree to that. I mean, 90 percent of the people in this country will not agree to that, and um, they have no room to maneuver. But, you know, it's good for them to talk. Uh, maybe Xi will, will, will keep pressure on Russia to, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 do, to do something eventually. Uh, but, you know, there, there, there's no point in having any discussions with Putin because he just wants us to capitulate. That's what he means by negotiations. And that's just not going to happen. It's not. Uh, Daniel Bilak, thanks so much. Member of the Territorial Defense Force of Ukraine. Uh, and now he's also an international attorney uh, out of Kiev. Dan, stay safe. Thanks, Brian. God bless you and the people of the United States. Absolutely. Thanks for your you got it. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, we're going to find out if there's more to know because we have a lot more to tell you. Also, uh, take a look at some of the other things happening in the world. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Here's something that I found very interesting today. New poll shows that uh, two-thirds of Republicans, Republican voters, think that their own party, the Republicans, worked secretly with with the liberals (laughs) to make Biden president. I mean, of all the conspiracy theories, that is the craziest. Bipartisanship? (laughs) I'll believe a lot of things. Well, we also did find out today that Lindsey Graham's going to be on without Franken on The Daily Show, so that's a little bipartisanship, right? Absolutely. You want to hear it? Yep. Tonight, I have Lindsey Graham. Oh, perfect timing. When I'd go around the country and people would ask me, we're friends, and people would ask me uh, who's the funniest senator, I'd say Lindsey, and my crowd would get really mad. (laughs) <laughs> is he funny? Is, he's really funny. Is he? When he was running for president in in uh, 2000, what what year was that? In he's running 16. 16. 16. 16, yeah. and he was doing very badly against Trump. I was in the bathroom, uh, sent a bathroom with him, and I said, Lindsey, <laughs> if I were a Republican, I'd vote for you. And he said, without hesitation, he said, 
That's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, I do think he's funny, too. He's self-effacing, but he's also consequential. He's looking to get out there. He doesn't really care if you criticize him, obviously, uh, because a lot of people do. I'm not one of them. But if he disagrees with you, it's okay. You could be friends with him. So let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. All right, here's something that will not affect me, but probably you. Big Mac is getting more and more pricey. The average price for a Big Mac in the U.S. is now estimated to be $5.15. That 22% more than pre-pandemic. Do you think this is going to hurt sales? Sadly, no. I think people are still going to order the Big Mac if they want it. Two patties. You put a patty and then put stuff on, then put a patty and put stuff on. That's genius. Do you remember the song? I do. Two old beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Impressive. You like that? Have you ever had one? I did at one point. Like years ago. But I don't eat meat anymore. Yeah. But I will have chicken. More on that as the story <laughs> progresses. Next, California and Nevada are the most expensive states to own and run a car. And it's cheapest in Ohio where car insurance, leasing, and gas are more affordable. Please take that into account. Next, Buffalo Wings in Buffalo Wild Wings admits its boneless wings are not wings. In response to customers' $9, billion, $9 million suit, the Wild Wings confession came in response to a judge throwing out a $9 million lawsuit. It's true. Our boneless wings are all white meat chicken. And it joked our hamburgers contain no ham. Our buffalo wings are 0% buffalo. Uh, Chicago man Eamon Haleman's lawsuit filed with Buffalo Wild Wings and owner Inspire Brands claimed that their famed boneless wings are just slices of chicken breast meat fried like wings. Now, what am I supposed to do with all this information? I mean, you can make maybe some healthier and more educated choices when ordering, and then you can also have good small talk with people when you're out at the restaurants. That's good. I'm, I need small talk ideas. <laughs> you do. I really do. You, it's hard for you to keep conversations going. And so far. Next. Best Oscar-winning movies, according to cinema experts. All right. Best ever. Number five, On the Waterfront, 1954. Number four, The Godfather, Part One. And Part Two is number four. Uh, The Silence of the Lambs, 1991. I've never seen that. Schindler's List, 93. I've not seen that. Really? I've not. I've not. Have you? I've seen, yeah, Silence of the Lambs and Schindler's List. Casablanca, 1942. I probably saw pieces of that. I wonder if that holds up. I mean, do you think these we, we look at these movies and say, I just can't buy it? I mean, it could be an assignment over the weekend, Brian. I sit down and watch these five movies. Will that not drive you crazy? Right. I did watch Your Honor, which is not a movie, but is a series. Did you guys watch that? No, is it good? Eric, did you watch that? So it's uh, with Brian Cranston. Really good. Really? So you I can still impressed. watch him? Like, you have, have you been tainted because he's gotten so political Oh, lately? I know. I actually think, yeah, I heard he was a great actor. I actually think he was with the weak cog in this whole. But it was just very interesting. Also, I have a relative in New Orleans, and the whole thing took place in New Orleans. I believe I even say the hotel where everything took place. So you saw a lot, uh, put it that way. And in this case, in a, in a pro-women atmosphere, the woman is the villain, ah. which is a big, a big risk. We are... Incapable of having sinister thoughts. That's, that's very unusual. True. Next, most women say they're working out less in 2023 because they're burnt out. According to a research of 2,000 women, they found that 57% used to exercise more frequently than they do now, with exercise burnout sidelining them for nine days, for nine days at a time. On average, women exercise four times a week. 52% admit it's exercising three times or less. The average workout lasts 44 minutes. I don't understand. Because they were working out so much during the pandemic, they're burnt out. 
Come on. I'm not trying. I mean, look, you, you know I'm one to work out, but this sounds like a really high number. Like, I, you know, I know, I tend to know a lot of women. I don't know a lot of them that are working out that often and for that long. Now, how about this? Half of couples are willing to sleep in separate beds for a better sleep. They surveyed, again, 2,000 people, different from the women not working out, or are they the same people? We're going to have to find out. They said... Uh, they said adults who live with a partner reveal that 49% be willing to try sleeping in a separate bed as a way to get better rest. That might be because the average cohabitating person receives less than four good nights of sleep a week. That doesn't mean couples don't want their quality time together despite a willingness to sleep. More than two in five, 42% prefer going to sleep at the same time as their partner. Uh, couples use their time before closing their eyes to watch TV. That's the problem. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.